three NFL owners are being questioned and asked to submit text and cell phone records in the Colin Kaepernick grievance case. Kyrie Irving leaves some people scratching their heads. Kristaps Porzingis is showing out. Mark Cuban goes after Draymond Green. What's happening with the Brooklyn Nets? Rashad Jennings in our Athlete Spotlight. All that and more on What's the 411 Sports coming right up. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this week's edition of What's the 401 Sports. I'm Keisha Wilson. And I'm Mike McDonald. It's good to see you, Mike, and good to see all of you, our friends at home. But let's not waste any time and get right to what's popping. Mike, let's start us off. That's right, Keisha. Let's get right to the NFL where the weather is cooling down, but there is certainly some heat. Colin Kaepernick's legal team has filed access to three NFL owners' cell phone and email records in their legal case, citing that NFL owners colluded to prevent Colin Kaepernick from getting a quarterback job. Now, Roger Goodell and two other NFL executives are expected to be deposed, according to Adam Schefter, an ESPN NFL analyst. Keisha, could this investigation start to resemble special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian electoral meddling? Well, I think it's a little early to to make those comparisons because we have seen that there was a lot of hard evidence in the Mueller investigation that has led to charges being filed against certain individuals. So we don't know yet. We just know that Kaepernick's team has filed for those records, of the phone records and emails, which could start to develop into something more, but we just don't know what the contents of those emails and phone records are. Um, I think that we'll see and I don't know if once the, the legal team gets access and starts reviewing will there start to be more dominoes to fall would that lead to more owners being subpoena or having their phone records and email uh, subpoena for uh, review um, could we actually see so starting to connect the dots, it's, it's going to be a little difficult because of the mere fact that personnel decisions does not constitute collusions according to the NFL law uh, guidelines. So there, an owner, unless they're explicitly saying do not hire this guy, can also can always fall back on whether on whether or not Colin Kaepernick is better than what they have and use the statistics to support that or they he doesn't fit in their culture doesn't fit in their their offense system and nobody unless your name is tom brady or aaron Rodgers, is going to revamp their whole offense for one particular player so we'll see we'll see how this will um, unfold as the days and weeks come I practiced it so many times, I think the correct pronunciation is Muller. It's not Mueller. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, but as far as Kaepernick, I think one thing, whether or not this works out in his favor in the long run, I think one thing that this can do is set a precedent for future NFL players and other athletes in other sports to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Not to mention, if they can't necessarily find the incriminating evidence from these three owners, I think once a lot of this stuff does become public record, there's still going to be some things that I think are going to Get a, put a very uh, bitter taste in a lot of NFL fans' mouths. Also, lo the longer that this drags out, I mean, without a doubt, this is not a good look for the National Football League. No question about that. I mean, here we are, we're speaking about something that's definitely going to play a crucial role in what happens with the future of this league. And we're talking about the NFL a lot today. There's a lot of things, specifically some social issues that we're going to be getting into. But I think most of all, you know, as long as this investigation is 
what something that people are still speaking about in some ways yes it might be a black eye for the nfl but at the same time i think it's kind of putting some progress out there because it's getting people to speak about something that's very important if in fact these owners whether or not they colluded if they get some type of communication between these owners that that doesn't look good for the nfl the longer that this drags out it's just going to be it, it's not a good thing Mike, we're going to stay with the NFL and its owners, and the owners held their second owners meeting this season on Halloween, and that meeting brought to light some serious internal strife. And during that meeting, Houston, Texas owner Bob McNair, and also it's noted that he was a Trump campaign contributor, he stated that, quote, the we can't have the inmates running the prison end quote mcnair later apologized to troy vincent who is the executive vice president of football operations in the nfl but however dallas cowboys owner jerry jones wasn't as sympathetic to vincent goodell and nfl management according to the usa today joe said and this is referencing Bob McNair's statement that he was finally reminding the room that rather than leak off his vice presidents, it was he and fellow owners who helped build the NFL's $15 billion a year business. And they would ultimately decide what to do. Never at a loss of words and with Goodell out of the room at a press conference, Jerry Jones once again brought Goodell's contract front and center by saying, it should be more incentive-based than it currently is. Jerry Jones said, quote, this is the most one-sided contract ever, end quote. Mike, what do these comments coming out of the owner's meeting say about the current state of the NFL? It's a mess. It's a complete mess. And a lot of these owners and, and, and even the fans and players as well, they don't know where it's going to go from here. Specifically, as, you know, with Roger Goodell being the commissioner, I think that he is the best fit moving forward. A lot of people have agreed on that. Jerry Jones need to fig needs to figure out if... Is the reason why he doesn't want Goodell to continue to be the commissioner because he has this gripe with the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing? I mean, we can come up with numerous reasons as to why they should take Goodell out of the commissioner's office, but going forward, it seems like he is probably the best fit because he earns the most money for them. Now, as far as what the NFL has to do, and I mean, it's, it's really up to them. I think one thing with Jerry Jones, instead of sitting down with all these owners, maybe he should just sit down with Goodell and try to work out some of these issues face-to-face. -face. I know that he's so bitter towards the way that this whole process has sort of um, gone on with Ezekiel Elliott, and that's one of the major issues that he has no question about it. And let's face it, Roger Goodell is making an awful lot of money. The last thing I'll say, though, is that, you know, with these players who have been protesting towards the national anthem, I think one of the things that, that I've noticed about this was it really began with police brutality, and it began with sort of this just these, the, the way that the, the minority communities have been treated throughout this country over the last year and a half when this thing really began. And I think a lot of people have lost sight of that without a doubt. But to answer the question, Keisha, the, the NFL has so much work that they've got to do, and they got to do it soon because they're losing so many people who don't want to watch the games anymore. Right. I think what the current state of the NFL is, is a reminder that sports is a microcosm of society. You have in the NFL and right now in general in society, a time where the this privilege and the sense of security that some people in this country have historically 
uh, enjoyed is being threatened because now minorities are speaking up and challenging the status quo and demanding that they have the same slice of the American pie that the Constitution, the Pledge of Allegiance, and any other governing body that has liberties and justice for all. They they want that and here in and also in the nfl you see that the players are finding their voices and being really adamant about their needs being addressed and what that's doing is shaking up the power structure or or threatening a change in the power structure because if the nfl players really mobilize it could mean dollars for the the owners now ultimately the owners do tend to have the advantage because these are billionaire people and can afford to lose money, whereas some of the NFL players cannot. So we, we see that like we are in society, the NFL is in this really tumultuous time and as at a pivotal point as to where it could go. It, it could be on the road to being progressive and we have lauded the NBA for being progressive. The NFL has a chance to take that pattern or it can stay stuck or maybe even revert to a time where it's not going to be a pleasure for everybody involved. And then as far as I would say about Goodell, you know, things were, everything was good between Goodell and the owners just about a year ago when he Goodell brought the owners, I mean, just lined their pockets with money and has projected to do so continuously as time goes forward. But now you mentioned the Ezekiel Elliott case. Jerry Jones being petty wop, wanting to say, hey, wait a minute, let me stop your money because you're, you have the, uh, the potential to affect mine by keeping my star player out of my team and hindering my chances to get to the playoffs and make a Super Bowl. I'm 79 years old. And blah, blah. But also, I think that part of the reason why they're trying to block Goodell is that Roger Goodell hasn't taken a hard stance against the players like some of the owners have. And he, Goodell, is, the the owners are his boss. So I think that if Roger Goodell came out and had more of a hardline stance like a Bob McNair, a Jerry Jones, or some of the other owners that we, we've spoken about, maybe there we wouldn't see this incessant need by Jerry Jones and maybe some of the other owners to want to stall or overturn or renegotiate over his Goodell's contracts. And now we have some quick bites for you to nibble on. Big changes are coming for ESPN Radio in 2018 and things are already starting to take shape. NBA superfan actor Michael Rappaport came in with a hot take. He took aim at ESPN's Dan Lebertard saying that Lebertard's father has no business being on TV, quote, because as far as I'm concerned, what his father does every day is a Cuban minstrel show. Rappaport made these comments on Jason McIntyre's Fox Sports radio show. Lakers legend Kobe Bryant says that Kyrie Irving and Giannis Antetokounmpo, sorry if I butchered your name, Giannis, I don't mean to, but uh, Kobe says that they both have the Mamba mentality. That is quite an endorsement. San Antonio Spurs head coach Greg Popovich ties Phil Jackson for all-time wins on the head coach's list. Derrick Rose, the Cleveland Cavaliers point guard, is now on minutes restriction. Hey Mike, since we're doing quick bites, I got a quick question for you. Major League Baseball World Series Game 7, was it a bust or a great game? It was a bust. I was really hoping the Dodgers would come back. Not because I was rooting for them, but I was really hoping for a great game. Houston was way too much, though. It was a great series, but the final game wasn't what it was all cracked up to be. But hats off to the Houston Astros for winning the championship. 
yeah, I found it hard to tune in myself. Welcome back to What's the 411 Sports. A war of words, Keisha, is brewing between Draymond Green and Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban over the use of the word owner. Now, in light of the Houston Texans owner Bob McNair's comments comparing NFL players to inmates, Green went on Instagram and said, Wow, this short does sound very Donald Sterling-esque, but I'm sure the fans pay to see him play anyway, and he's putting himself at risk of CET by going out there every Sunday and giving 110%. Inmates, for starters, let's stop using the word owner and maybe use the word chairman. To be owned by someone just sets a bad president to start. It sets the wrong tone. It gives one the wrong mindset. Webster states that an inmate is a person confined to an institution such as a prison or hospital. Not sure these tax-paying men should be referred to as inmates, but what do I know? Cuban clapped back, telling ESPN's Tim McMahon, in part, for Green to try to turn this into something, it's, it's, not, it's just wrong. He owes the NBA an apology. I think he does, because to try to create some connotation that owning equity in a company that you busted your ass for is the equivalent of ownership in terms of people, that's just wrong. That's just wrong in every which way. Keisha, did Mark Cuban go overboard? Well, I, I think Mark Cuban got a little snarky because he further talked about what classes or Jaymon did or didn't take at Michigan State in terms of business classes, and he offered to pay for classes at the Indiana University or University of Indiana. So there was a little Big Ten snarky, you know, jab that Mark Cuban threw in Draymond's direction. But I don't think overall what Mark Cuban said was wrong because, you know, Mark Cuban owns a business, not people, and his and his employees are the players and they are an essential piece of his business and the players are not forced to enter into these contracts they're done of their free will and players do have rights and they have associations that protect their rights and will fight for those rights so i you know he was right and ownership isn't inherently wrong it's not wrong to own something it's what you do with it you can change the title you can call owners chairman but if you still have the same mentality um, a wrong mentality a, a, a ownership as in you're my property mentality whatever you call them is not gonna you're still gonna be in the same position you know the attitude change needs to come with a name change so but it's also important to know the context of which Draymond Green was uh, is coming from in terms of what he said and how owner the word owner can be perceived Draymond Green is coming from a historical context and, and an experience that's truly unique to African Americans in this country where people were owners and had people and treated them like they were cattle and sometimes even worse than cattle. So that's the perspective where that Draymond Green is, is coming from and McNair's comments kind of highlighted that. So um, I think both sides have some um, some validity and where they're coming from, but I don't think Mark Cuban Kate is coming from a negative connotation of being, you know, in terms of being called an owner and how he feels about having equity, what he calls in in an NFL, sorry, in an NBA team. 
You know, I think Mark Mark Cuban, as you pointed out, did go overboard with sort of the snobby type comments that he took, where he took shots at Draymond Green. No question about that. I think in light of the times that we're facing, black athletes across this country are going through. I think when situations like this come across with Bob McNair and the situation with Colin Kaepernick and other things like that that have happened over the last year, whatever, a couple of years, ten years, I think that athletes should have the right to vent their frustration with everything that's going on. And I think Mark Cuban should have taken a step back here for a moment said to himself you know what Draymond Green whether I agree with him or I disagree with him let him express himself in a way that he wants to I commend Draymond Green for taking a stance here at the same time after he met on this quote the way that he finishes it is he says what do I know in other words I'm not the you know I'm the what I'm saying is it's not like I know everything that's going on here this is just my opinion and I'm just throwing it out there for some people so I think with the NBA one of the things is is that they've been able to avoid some friction between owners and players more so than uh, you know the NFL but I think that this is something that could be positive for the NBA because it is part of the discussion that people gets people talking about what's going on right now we're gonna stay in the NBA but we're gonna leave the state of Texas and we're going to land in the city of Boston where as of this taping, the Boston Celtics are sitting atop of the Eastern Conference. Kyrie Irvin is leading the team with 22.1 points, 5.7 assists, 3.4 rebounds, and 2-point steals per game. Now, these numbers are fantastic. Nothing to sneeze at, right, Mike? But it's, it's Kyrie Irving's praise of Celtics head coach Brad Stevens that got people wondering if... Kyrie is taking shots at his former team. Kyrie admires head coach Brad Stevens' basketball knowledge, humility, and focus on his craft and family. And he says, quote, That was something that I was unbelievably craving in terms of what I wanted in terms of my career. Irving said on holiday holding court with Gino Ariema. And he continues to say, quote, Brad fits perfectly in terms of that because he's an intellectual mind and a great human being, end quote. Now, Mike, should Irving's comments and praises for Brad Stevens be perceived as a shot at his old team? Should the coaches on the Cavaliers be mad at this? Or do we just chalk it up to Kyrie being in a new place and he's winning and things are looking great for him right now? I think he's happy. You know, this is an opportunity for him, a change of pace, and it's been very good for him. He needed this, without a doubt. I mean, people saying, well, he whined his way out of Miami, out of out of Cleveland to, to get to Boston, which is not, not necessarily the case. He wasn't happy in his job environment. A lot of people, when they're not happy, they send their resumes out to other companies to try to go get hired by somebody else. Well, Kyrie Irving, let's give him some credit for t grabbing the bull by the horns. He wasn't happy playing with LeBron James. And as far as, uh, you know, um, criticizing any of the sort of a subliminal comment to his former coaches, I didn't read it like that. And I think if there are coaches out there who have, you know, Tyrone, Tyrone Lue specifically, who have coached Kyrie Irving that are going to take offense to this, they should, probably should be preparing their team, you know, as opposed to being all emotional over these comments. Yeah, you know. Things are looking great for Kyrie right now. He's in a new place. There's new energy. There's new life um, for him in Boston. And I didn't, like you, I didn't think that he was taking shots at his former coaches. Um, and we need to be careful about reading too much into, you know, his statements about 
uh, Kyrie's statements about being in Boston and what the experience is like for him. Kyrie in his statements has confirmed what most people have already been saying about Brad Stevens, that he's a young, great basketball mind, and he's developed a culture of winning. And it's a, a culture that people want to be a part of. And you, that is exemplified by Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was really hurt but that he was traded from Boston because not only did he play his heart out in the midst of tragedy of losing his sister, but he wanted to stay. He wanted to be there long term. And Brad Stevens, I, I have no doubt, is part of the reason why um, Isaiah wanted to stay there. Our photo of the week is a photo of Deontay Wilder as he celebrates after knocking out Bermaine Stavern in the first round of the WBC heavyweight title boxing bout at the Barclays Center. Traditional light bulbs actually generate nine times more heat than light. Switch to energy saving bulbs. Saving energy saves you money. Welcome back to What's the 411 Sports. Now it's time, Keisha, for our New York sports report, and we go across the river to talk about our beloved New York Knicks. Well, Kristaps Porzingis has stepped up, and he's showing the league that he is the leader of our team. He is tied now for third in the NBA in scoring, and he's already posted six games with at least 30 points, which is most in the league. With Porzingis' stark turnaround, it begs the question, Keisha, was Carmelo Anthony blocking KP's talent? Why must you ask me this question? You know that I have affinity for Carmelo Anthony. Why do you put me in this position, Mike? Okay, so I'm trying to put my bias aside. It's going to be hard. So I was thinking about this going back and forth in my mind, and I was listening to some analysts, and they made the point that once Carmelo has left his, his respective teams, they have gotten better. When he, when he left the Nuggets, they, had, they were at a better season following his exit. The Knicks are having, so far, a better season than um, they did with Carmelo on the team. But, you know, I don't know if it's coincidence. It's so early in the season to really say that Carmelo was blocking all of the Knicks' successes. Carmelo was an alpha male when he was on the Knicks roster. He... Was that because I think that's who he is as a player, but it's also what he needed to be for so long for the Knicks. He needed to be the person that took charge, that sometimes that took the last shot, that needed to score the points when the buckets were dry for everybody else. So I will say that, you know, Kristaps had talent there. It was always there. Now he's had more of an opportunity since Carmelo left to get the ball and make the most of those opportunities, which he has. Kristaps put in a lot of work in the offseason to really step into the role that we want him to have, which is the face of the, the franchise. So, um, you know, I think that Melo probably even helped him in, maybe indirectly to, to handle the spotlight because he saw everything that Carmelo went through last season and how in spite of everything, the tumultuous time with Phil Jackson, Carmelo came every day, reported to work, was professional, and did what he needed to do to help his team win. So I think, you know, I, I really think that Chris Stapps will continue. I don't know if he's going to be as hot as the season goes on, but I think that he's ready and he's poised to really put the league on further notice. And and start knocking off some of his checklists. He wanted to be an all-star. I think he wants to make the playoffs, and I forgot what his other goal was. But, you know, I think you can check off all-star. I think he's definitely going to be in the all-star game. And then um, most improved player I think he wants to be, definitely a case for that already. And if the trajectory continues, 
he's a, probably he might be a shoe in. What do you think? I think in some ways he was blocking uh, KP's talent, but at, the, but at the same time, I think you know just looking at, at, at shot opportunities in general. Certainly, Carmelo Anthony took up a lot, but at the same time, I think it was good for Porzingis to have an opportunity to play with a guy like Carmelo Anthony. Okay, here's a guy who's the leader of a franchise. Here's a guy who's come home to the city where he was really born in, and he's trying to help deliver a winner. He sees how you handle yourself as a superstar, both on the court, whether it's through winning some games or the misery of losing that they had to deal with and on top of that he saw how Carmelo Anthony had to deal with his issues off the court we've spoken pr pretty often about the issues that he had with his marital status with Lala Anthony and what he had to go through for that so I think that KP is probably thankful that he did have an opportunity to play with Carmelo Anthony well Mike we're gonna leave the Knicks in Manhattan and travel over to Brooklyn and we're gonna talk about the Brooklyn Nets who as of this taping, are currently on a West Coast trip, which includes a contest against the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, it wasn't a successful return to the Staples Centers for D'Angelo Russell, as former Nets center, my man, Brooke Lopez, and his Los Angeles Lakers handed Brooklyn a defeat, 124 to 112. Anthony Puccio of the Nets Daily dubbed that game as Brooke Lopez's revenge as Brooke Lopez scored a season-high 34 points on six three-pointers in that win. Now, Mike, as we mentioned with the Knicks, it is early in the season, but do you think that the, the Nets can regain that momentum or are we mistaken in thinking that they are better than they actually are? No, I think that they can certainly gain, regain that momentum. They got off to a very good start, and there's no question why they shouldn't be able to recapture that optimism that they had the first week or so of this season. Now, I get it. It's still very early. But I think one of the things that the Nets have in their favor, look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, Chicago Bulls, Milwaukee Bucks, Indiana Pacers. These are all teams in the Eastern Conference that have been making the playoffs pretty much consistently over the last couple of seasons. They're all struggling. And what I see for the Nets is when you see a wide open Eastern Conference, this means that the amount of wins that the Nets are going to wind up getting this season could drastically increase. I don't think that playoffs are on the horizon for this team in any way, and they certainly have a lot of work to be done, but I think with so many teams struggling, that's an opportunity for the Nets to capitalize. And the last thing that I'll say, you know, watching some of these press conferences with Kenny Atkinson at the game, I'm not saying I'm watching, you know, every one of them, but he seems a lot more comfortable handing the, handling the daily operations of this team you know he just seems like the growing pains that he had as a rookie head coach he's kind of, he's kind of moved past that and I think it shows in the way that this team is playing together yeah I mean I think that it's early in the season so we don't know what's going to happen but they've had some good wins quality wins and maybe when they come back home and breathe the east coast air they'll be re-energized re and and start moving forward there's some quality stuff going on in Brooklyn and stuff to to build upon so we will see and we're rooting for our Brooklyn Nets welcome back to what's the 401 sports Mike this week we are bringing back our doghouse segment for those of you who don't know this is the time where we put people who are misbehaving either on the bench or in the in the doghouse Mike what you got for me Keisha, I'm putting Houston Texans owner Bob McNair and Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones in the doghouse. Bob McNair, as we've discussed earlier in the show with his comments about comparing NFL players to inmates, 
that was just completely uncalled for and disgraceful as well. Also, with Jerry Jones, the way that he's just handled himself uh, throughout this whole hypocrisy that he's dealt with as the owner of the Cowboys, it's just ridiculous. He continues to double down on this plantation mentality, and he wants to discount the efforts of players, team staff, and the NFL executives uh, with all the success that we have in the NFL. Both of these guys go in the doghouse. I agree. He said it all. And now it's time for our athlete spotlight. This week, we focus on former running back for the New York football giants, Rashad Jennings, who is now a free agent and is using his time to help out the youth. On his LinkedIn post, Jennings says he spends his off-seasons traveling, training, and impacting lives through his nonprofit, the Rashad Jennings Foundation. During the 2015-2016 school year, the Rashad Jennings Foundation was present in over 25 schools in four states and impacted over 20,000 students. For more information about the Rashad Jennings Foundation's literacy, mentorship, and health and fitness initiatives, and to get involved, on an individual or corporate level, please visit RashadJenningsFoundation.org. The average text takes your eyes off the road for nearly five seconds. At highway speeds, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop the texts. Stop the wrecks. Now, Mike, we have to say goodbye to all of our friends. And, you know, I'm just sick over it. But don't worry. You can keep up with us until we meet again next time by following us on Instagram and Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and subscribing to our YouTube channel, All at 401 Sports TV. That's right. And don't forget, you can download our podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, and, of course, Google Play Music. I'm Keisha Wilson, and on behalf of Mike McDonald, we'd like to thank you for hanging with us at What's the 401 Sports, and we look forward to checking you out again.